Gen Z has already kind of seen it all. We've seen all different types of media. We've seen polished content. We've seen TV ads. We've seen in-person activations. We've seen a whole lot of influencers because everyone's a micro-influencer in my age group now who has a phone, right? We're exposed to it. We're almost numb to a lot of what used to work. So now to understand what would work for a Gen Zer, you really have to get more into the consumer shoes past just how do we sell them? It's about entertaining and educating them, being their friend, being a brand on social that's bringing value to that Gen Zer so they don't feel like they're being sold to. Why a Gen Z would purchase product, it's because they feel like it's an extension of themselves. Hi, welcome to Unmatched, the podcast that gives you an exclusive behind-the-scenes access to industry leaders who fearlessly embrace change, pivot from their comfort zones, and smash their glass ceilings. Hey, Alex, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here. I'm stoked to have you, LinkedIn buddy. <laughs> Let's go. We go way back. <laughs> yes, we go way back to last year. <laughs> In LinkedIn years, that's forever, right? Yeah. So It feels like yesterday, and I feel like I've known you for 10 years already. <laughs> I know. Same, same. So listen, uh, I'm really, really keen to speak to you today about all things Gen Z. You're a Gen Z, you're for a Gen Z agency, and I would love for you to just start by telling us a little bit who you are, what you do, and how you ended up working at Trendsetters. Yeah, so I'm Alexei Stoyanovich. I go by Alex because it's just easier for most people. But if you can call me Alexei, bonus points. I am head of social media at Trendsetters, which is a marketing agency that helps brands, companies, whoever uh, connect with Gen Z through social media, content, influencer marketing, product insights, overall strategy. Um, and we work with brands from the Fortune 100 level all the way down to startups who just got funding and are just ready to attack and you know just start running right away. I ended up here uh, because I ran my own startup for a few years, still keeping it going on the side, but it's not my main thing anymore. And that was a surf app, it connected instructors, coaches, photographers, and videographers with surfers. Uh, we did really well on TikTok and Instagram, mostly TikTok, built our whole user base from organic social media. Um, and Jake took notice and we stayed in touch to some extent. Um, at some point, funny enough, he just threw up on his Instagram stories like, hey, I'm looking to chat with people who understand social media on the brand and consumer side. And I'm like, look, that's me, man. Like I've built my entire company on the basis of that. Let's talk. And he's like, Oh, really? Like, I thought you were like doing so well with GoSurf, like that you wouldn't want to, you know, be in this. And I'm like, look, man, I'm looking to do other stuff now. So I'm like, what's up? And he's like, just make a bunch of social media strategies for these four brands, which at the time, actually, I don't know if I'm allowed to say those brands. I probably won't. Uh, but they were really cool brands that I was looking up to. And I was like, no way they're working with these brands. So I spent the next four hours sitting down probably writing the longest email I've ever written, which was four different strategies for four different clients of his. And he replied back probably a minute after I sent it. And I was like, so nervous. And he's like, this is the longest email I've ever received. Like, I don't think I even have to look at all this to know that you understand social media. And I like the way you think about it. So I'm willing to offer you to become our head of social media right away. Like, I don't want to throw you on a project or just like take you on slowly. Like, I think you can step up to be a partner and just be head of social right away. And he's like, come up to LA and meet the entire 
team right now because they were staying at a content house. And that was a year and a half ago, maybe a little longer. And I've just been here since. And me and Jake are best buddies now, business partners, and been going through the ebbs and flows of marketing agency life since. So cool. That that was uh, super interesting, the whole journey. And, you know, Unmatched stands for sort of that exact journey of people, you know, whether they're coming from corporate or not, that are going through maybe transformation that maybe are working in corporate, but they're doing something on their side as well. In your case, because you're so young, and you've literally decided that probably corporate life is not for you. And you went all in onto the startup world and to being self-employed. Kudos to you on that one. I want to I wanna take one step back before we get into all things Gen Z and marketing. How do you end up in social and marketing in general? What was your journey from like maybe studying to getting into that space? Yeah, so it's funny. I had that same question with someone I was talking to at Sprout Social the other day because they're doing an article on me. Uh, and we were like, I don't think anyone sets out to be like, yeah, I'm going to be in social media marketing. Like it kind of just happens, but I can, I have an interesting story behind that too. So, I mean, I studied marketing in college. I got my degree. I take some stuff that I learned from there into consideration when I'm consulting or deploying a strategy, like some of it. And by some, I mean like 5%. Uh, (laughs) the rest of it is you know just experience doing the right research and all that but I ended up in this space because I was in marketing I was applying to marketing internships while I was uh, in university Um, started working with you know like a medical device company which ugh, super boring i think that was my first market marketing internship i was doing all their content because i did fashion photography at the time so it seemed doable um, and then as i was raising funding for my first startup GoSurf, i won the a few pitch competitions and then all of the contestants which there's about one to three hundred other companies competing based on what semester it is because i went to arizona state which is a huge university since I won, they started reaching out to me, checking out my social media. They saw we were doing really well. And they would just hit me up and be like, hey, can I contract you to do my content, my social media, my social media strategy? And I didn't know what to say. I was like a 19 or 20-year-old, 21 year I think I might have been 21. And I was like working as a bar back. And I was like, really? You want me to just run your like entire brand voice on social? And they're like, yeah. So I was like, okay. And I started kind of doing that on the side. Um, as GoSurf grew, I kind of put it aside again, and then I had people within the surf space hitting me up and being like, hey, can you launch my surf brand on social media? Can you help me with this project? What is your strategy behind this? Can you consult on this? And I was like, kind of overwhelmed being like, why do all, like, wow, all these people think I have the answer. Like, that's crazy to me, because I didn't feel like I did. I didn't have the confidence at the time, and then was, you know, consulting on my own while still doing GoSurf, GoSurf the app kind of fizzled out and now we've pivoted to more doing community events. We still keep the app insight going, but I was just doing like full consulting for recruiting firms, a couple other surf brands running all of their socials. Um, and then ended up getting in contact with Jake when he posted that. And I've just been full agency since. So I don't know if that's a long winded way to answer your question, but <laughs> what I love about you guys is that you're saying you're Gen Zers working with Gen Zers and with brands to get to know Gen Zers. So let's, um, you know, dive right into the subject. And and, and I want to ask you straight on, 
why is it important for brands to understand Gen Zers and target them in a much more intimate way than just, you know, with traditional forms of marketing that we're all aware of? Yeah, I think it's important for brands to target Gen Z, not just in general, but like an intimate way, what you said, uh, I mean, as you mentioned, because Gen Z has already kind of seen it all from a point of we've seen all different types of media. We've seen polished content. We've seen TV ads. We've seen in-person activations. We've seen a whole lot of influencers because everyone's a micro influencer in my age group now who has a phone, right? So we grew up with these phones attached to our hands, probably age 11, 12, whatever up. So we've seen it all. I mean, we're exposed to it. We're almost numb to a lot of what used to work. So now to understand what would work for a Gen Zer, you know, you really have to take in, you really have to get more into the consumer shoes past just how do we sell them? It's about entertaining and educating them, being their friend, being a brand on social that's bringing value to that Gen Zer so they don't feel like they're being sold to. Like if you look at why a Gen Z would purchase product, it's because they feel like it's an extension of themselves. They've been consuming that content for a while now from that brand. They agree with, you know, certain parts of the brand or things they're saying on social, or they feel like they know the founder and they, they're proud of that. They feel like it's an extension of them now, depending on what aspect they relate to that brand. But ultimately you want to be intimate with Gen Z. So your brand can feel like an extension of them. Um, and they're excited about it. You know, I'm not talking about a Gen Z just wearing like a DoorDash t-shirt or something, right? But actively talking about it, actively using it, talking about the benefits, just being, getting your consumer to be passionate about your brand because you're well-rounded with all the content you're putting out and the actions your brand is taking to get closer with that consumer. So how do we as brands become an extension of a Gen Z consumer? Because that's, to me, one of the hardest things. We'll get to the point, to the question of like, where are Gen Zers? Where do they spend their time and attention? But before we get to that, how, how do we become an extension of their experience? That's, that is a, that's a question I'm always trying to answer uh, with different clients. But I think how you ultimately become an extension is doing really targeted, I mean, this might sound like a general answer, but really targeted campaigns into the interest of that demographic that you're trying to become an extension of, right? Like right now we were talking to talking to a fitness brand who I can't name, but they're really looking to target a demographic called the sweaty socializer. I thought I've never heard of this demographic before, but it's apparently it's a you know, it's a young adult who's going out a lot, extroverted, eats whatever he wants, but works out enough to kind of combat that and their task to us was how do we get the Gen Z sweaty socializers to champion this fitness brand? And we just talk about partnering with uh, influencers who can intertwine their content style with what that fitness brand was looking to deliver. So in the world of that, that project is specifically influencer marketing, but in the world of influencer marketing, what we've seen perform best is working with those creators who can seamlessly intertwine those brands with their content and making the brand not like the overarching feeling of that piece of content, but a small piece of it of what they would normally consume. And that can get blasted even further with things like Spark ads and the right paid media push past that. 
But ultimately, that asset of the perfect mesh between brand and that influencer's normal content style has to be executed well for it to feel seamless and initially get in that Gen Z consumer's head. That's just for influencer marketing. Past that, I mean, I think a really authentic way brands can get closer with their Gen Z consumer and get that extension is to document everything they're doing. Like there's nothing better than knowing what a brand is up to in the day to day because we're so used to polished content. I think a brand who does this really well is Midday Squares. They document everything that's gone wrong, everything that's gone right. They're like, hey, we're in a lawsuit. Like, hey, we made a music video. Like we screwed up, we screwed this up. Like we're just people. And to me, that just makes me love them. Like, you know, I consume their product. I like it. And it's because of the content I've seen. We've even worked with them to some extent and chatted with them. And it's because they're so honest. They're like, hey, we're delivering this brand activation in public in Canada. We're going to record it from start to finish so you can see how we screw it up, how we recover, and how we're just humans carrying out our brand. Like, we're being authentic. So if I was to, you know, compress my whole answer into one sentence, it would just be to be authentic and have your content be authentic to that consumer as well. Like the more you polish, the further away you are getting from being that extension. But you also mentioned earlier, which I found very interesting, and I want to go back to that for a second. You mentioned targeted content, right? Because as brands, we target everyone and we want to sell to everyone, right? And when you think about specific demographics, how would you say, um, how targeted do you think we need to be when it comes to Gen Z? As in like, do we need to go to that specific, you know, tribe that you just described earlier as an example with that specific project? Or is it a bit larger? Or is it based on the platform they're on? What is the right level of targeting, in your opinion? I mean, that's tough. It's really, it's really dependent on what the goals of that of that campaign is, you know, if it's just blast, blast, blast brand awareness, you know, you might want to work with some big macro creators and pour majority of your budget into that. I personally prefer what we call like the micro influencer army approach, where we just work with tons and tons of tons of these micro influencers who are super niche in the content they're producing and, you know, just amplify how many creators we can get across that. Like our team here is really good at just pulling influencers on an as needed basis. And once I, you know, I flag from social, hey, this is a great creator. These are people we want. They look for people just like that. And these creators are everywhere. So I would say, you know, the right level of targeting is just dependent on the goal, you know, and there's different strategies around each. I don't know if that's the answer you were looking for, but. <laughs> yeah, ki- kind of. But um, I also want to go back to the topic of micro influencers because you just mentioned that now. So when it comes to reaching the audience, the Gen Z audience in the right way. I mean, there's different ways, right? So there's like from the big, big, big celebrities, you know, that will kind of endorse the biggest product to the like, you know, big influencers that are known globally to the smaller ones and then to the micro influencers. Like, and I see that as a, as a bit of a scale, right? So from like one to 10, where would you say the scale is, is more inclined, you know, for Gen Zs to sort of be more open to buy because from celebrities to micro influencers they have different types of impact on the audience 
what what's your opinion like a good strategy for that so i would say depending on the scale you want to because let me just step back for a second so i know with consumers right you're subscribed to you know an average social media subscri- uh, consumer is subscribed to you know whatever 10 to 25 micro influencers within the niche that they care about because that is the algorithm that's catering to their phone their feed their experience these consumers are self-aware like i said we're gen z with you know our phones attached from ages 10 up we're aware that influencers get brand deals and one common thing you'll see and we have experience too is if you just do a one a one off with creators it is so blatantly obvious and not authentic and that's not how you're going to get that consumer to want your brand as an extension they want to see someone they follow and look up to fully champion a brand so if you're a brand or an agency wanting that don't do one offs like don't don't do a 100k in a month spend across whatever you know five macros a few micros like all once if you're really trying to get good utilization and show consistency of you know being involved within a specific niche or interest i would do five posts uh for uh you know a group of 30 micro influencers or x amount of posts per month with this brand for this time frame like the longer that creator who is associated with that niche works with your brand the better because it becomes a part of their content it's not as forced and hopefully the person who's coordinating that execution isn't like hey here's the script that you're supposed to read about our brand because that doesn't work like that's also ruining the authenticity so I, i guess more quantity of posts on a lower scale for a longer time is what i would recommend because there are just so many creators and so many different niches now like i swear every day there's a new thing and there's a new top creator and micro creator and people just creating consistently about what they care about and it's like as a consumer i feel like i am interested in a million things now that i probably normally wouldn't have been maybe six years ago when TikTok, instagram reels and all that wasn't as big but nowadays you can come across anything and you just start to care you know so having said that it just really means if i understand correctly that as brands like we need to be really just everywhere every platform uh, find different ways to be there in front of the consumer whether it is celebrity endorsements whether it's micro macro influencers whether it's the founder the ceo of the company like whatever we can do to be present on all platforms that is the strategy correct so it's more like distribution at scale definitely yeah and and you'll hear about it from creators all over right now is they're big on just getting on every channel now you know someone that was big on tiktok is now on youtube and linkedin someone who was on linkedin and youtube is now on tiktok and instagram and pinterest and now lemonade right so i think having and i think from a big brand perspective i think having the ability to hire talented individuals who are really good at one or a few channels or a specific type of content is what I would look to be built out within my social team. Like last thing I would want to do is pull someone who's really good at TikTok into Pinterest, right? Because it's like you probably save time and hire someone who's great at Pinterest to just dominate Pinterest and you're going to get great growth there, you know, and leave the people who are good at short form within short form and amplify that across all channels. But 
yeah, the more the more presents, the better, ultimately. Okay, so you mentioned lemonade. Let, let's talk about that for a second. And let's talk about where the attention is of the Gen Z audience right now. So where would you say the attention is, is at the moment? I mean, I dominantly, it's still on TikTok. I would say outside of that, Instagram and Instagram Reels for their actual social network. I guess a better way to explain this, and you, you've probably been seeing this too, is a lot of social media channels that are doing a lot better right now are really just considered media channels. Like no one I interact with on TikTok is my friend besides the friends that I'll message a video to because I think it's funny or relatable, whatever. So I think we're seeing channels like that do really well with Gen Z right now. It's kind of, so if, if social media is here, right? You have media here, which you can call like TikTok shorts reels. You have normal Instagram here, maybe Facebook, whatever. Uh, I don't really like Facebook, so I don't know if that's a good example. But, and then over here you have Discord, Slack, whatever. It's tight-knit, medium-knit, actual normal social media, and then just media. And I think where Gen Z is, is all their attention is on media, but they're still kind of interacting on social media, but they're really active in these really tight-knit communities on Discord, Slack, whatever, because it's so specific to their interests. And I think that's one of the reasons an uglier social media channel like Reddit has lasted this long, because uh, they still have these super tight-knit communities and it's active and it's you know not a great consumer experience, but it's a very detailed uh, subject when you join a community, right? And you can just take part and people will understand you. So it's like consume, 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 talk about very specific stuff, and then kind of somewhere, you know, work Instagram in there. <laughs> I really love that explanation. And I've never heard it like that before. But somehow, I, I have to say, I also have this theory, uh, which I'm trying to apply to myself as well a little bit that social media isn't necessarily anymore for connection, as, as weird as it sounds. But it's literally, and I think, I don't know, someone said it, but I remember who exactly that said, um, it was a singer that said the social media is really just for promotion, you know? So it's not to post a selfie or a picture of your dog, because nobody cares. It is there for you to self-promote shamelessly, because that's what social media is for. So I love your explanation about, you know, like you know, media channels like TikTok is really just a media channel, Instagram, Facebook, it's, there is still a form of connection there. But the highest engagement probably is on Discord, Slack, where people can actually interact with each other, and can actually um, talk about what they actually care about. So in other words, brand need to be everywhere in different ways. So probably on TikTok to entertain, right? Nothing else. On Instagram can be a bit more editorial and a bit more aspirational. And on, for example, on Discord, it is very tiny neat on, I don't know, the, the NFTs communities and, you know, like stuff like that. So very, very specific objectives, not generic as in brand awareness, because that doesn't really work anymore. No, it right? doesn't. Yeah. I mean, paying for a view at this point, it's like, you know, how many swipes can all these people go through? Like, it's not going to make much of a difference. I think a way to look at all of the channels we just discussed too is, you know, you know how there's a sales funnel for all these people out there pitching business all the time. Like you should be looking at all of these channels as ultimately as your 
content social media channel funnel at the top, you know, top, top brand awareness, just getting views, entertaining, getting people to agree with you, forming some kind of loyalty happens on the media channels, right? Because that's where you're getting the biggest, probably the most views if you're executing correctly and getting the most attention, again, if you're executing correctly. And then from there, driving those people to the, right, the medium, the Instagram, I'm just going to say Instagram because I hate Facebook. So (laughs) TikTok to Instagram to that smaller community, like that's how you should be looking at all this loyalty. It's like views, 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 some kind of loyalty here, you know, maybe they'll check out your profile. They might go to your website that's attached to your Instagram. They'll look at some, you know, carousel posts you're putting out because that's doing well on Instagram, right? And then, you know, you mentioned that you have a community on Discord or Slack on your Instagram, maybe some mention of that on your TikTok. And now you have the ultimate consumer would be in TikTok, Instagram, and Discord. And guess what? That's that your brand is now an extension of that guy because he's involved with you in every part of the like he hears from you every day, probably. And he loves Wait, it. wait, wait. So are you saying that this is the new consumer journey that we need to look at and not the awareness consideration? <laughs> you know, <laughs> blah blah that we are all used to? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't coin it as the new way. I think <laughs> it's a way. Uh, you know, I think the way I'll put it this way, right? When I was really scrappy with my startup, the way I looked at getting users on my app, because I literally did zero paid media. That's how I got good at organic social media was just like, I have no money. I'm going to master this. I'm going to be a creator. I'm going to figure this out. So what I would do is get the most attention on TikTok, do the most outrageous stuff. Doesn't even have to do with my company all the time, get tons of views and then find a way to drive those people to my Instagram, which at the time, I think it was probably three-ish, three years ago, maybe. So I wasn't like super creative with getting those people to my Instagram. So I'd be like, hey, I have a ton of free surf wax. I want to give it to all of you. If you want it, you have to follow my Instagram, pre-register for the app, whatever. Like it was just a, a simple giveaway, but guess what? I was driving from top to middle by doing that. And then I was like, hey, if you want to get more involved and hear more about the app, uh, join this Facebook community, which I had uh, for the vendors on our app. And then I had a separate one for beginner surfers. And that one blew up because people don't want to admit they suck at surfing and they're not going to talk about it on social media. So they joined this group where everyone's like, hey, we suck. Like, we don't know what we're doing. And that's how I would drive customers to the app, too. So it was like views kind of some loyalty again on Instagram and then, hey, do you want to hear and stay in tune with the app or are you a consumer, beginner consumer who wants to talk with other beginner surfers? Like we have these communities available for you and the beginner service community grew to like 2,500 surfers organically and that was just driving me so much business and that's how I did it when I had to really get scrappy. I'd probably do it a little differently now, but it definitely worked. Well, that that sounds like a funnel to me. So that definitely sounds like a new way of funneling, which is really interesting. Let's talk about Gen Z as as a segment. What makes them special? What makes them different? And what would you say are the, the aspects that maybe are the most underrated about Gen Z consumers? 
because we all know the biases, right? We, there's a, so many biases about all the different generations. So I'm, I'm really curious from your perspective, being a Gen Z consumer yourself and working for an agency that focuses on Gen Z, what are the most other underrated things about Gen Zers that you feel like most people won't know? I think the most underrated thing about Gen Zers that people may not know or people outside of the age group may not know is although we have a very short attention span <laughs> due to environmental factors, and by environmental factors, I mean the very thing that makes us special, which is having this phone attached to us for this amount of years, is it really helps us get creative. Like, I think we are able to decipher right away what is what is actually going to get our attention within those first two to five seconds and actually get us to care about it um, I think, you know, as a generation, we have the most ADHD we've ever seen due to, again, you know, these things. I have freaking two phones for social. Like, <laughs> what is going on? You know, um, <laughs> and it's ridiculous. Uh, but I, I think we're able to gauge, you know, what's interesting, engaging right off of the bat, um, which really helps from a marketing and content creation standpoint. I would say outside of that, uh, we have so much information available um, that I think we've really created one of the most entrepreneurial uh, generations that we've seen. I've never seen so many startups pop up and like actually do well outside of you know getting heavy funding from Silicon Valley Bank, which doesn't even exist anymore. Or they're recovering or whatever. You know, so many people are really stepping up and being like, "I'm gonna grow my SMB. I quit my big corporate job to go do this." Like. People are actually chasing and doing what they want to do because they don't want to be kind of forced into this corporate setting that they don't feel like is for them. I feel that because we're exposed to so much content and examples of people going and doing their own thing, that people are really taking charge and going and doing their own thing. And if they don't succeed, which does happen a lot, you know, at least they tried and they've learned and you know, they have a better outlook on what they're going to go do next. So I'd, I'd really say, like, we're really empowered to go do our own thing. That's one underrated thing about Gen Z versus just taking orders and carrying out and hoping something is going to work out later. It's more about, like, you know, what's going on now. <laughs> so. so it's what I call the BS filter, right? So you guys have, like, an amazing BS filter where you can – immediately understand if something is interesting or BS or authentic, which makes it difficult, but also exciting for brands to actually create for Gen Z because Gen Zers are mainly creators. So you're like, you're, the, the funny thing is like, you're creating content for people who are also creating content in their turn because everyone is basically a content creator these days so on the downside though what would you think are what would you say are the things that sort of take you down compared to other <laughs> generations i think it's the very thing that i mentioned that could make us great is all the exposure to what other people are doing and them really doing their own things it's you know on a daily basis you will see a guy who quit PepsiCo to become a professional rock climber. And you'll see someone who had a disability and overcame that and then became 
you know, a crazy entrepreneur or a weightlifter. And then you'll see someone who was behind the camera at a news station who started his own. Like you're seeing all these crazy stories that are inspiring, but we're seeing like a lot of it. And, you know, as someone who has had their bout with mental health stuff, I'm very open about it. Like it can eat at you to an extent. You start to get anxious. You're like, why can't I do that? I should have done that back when I was doing this. I couldn't have been as successful as that guy or it kind of starts to eat at you in a way of, well, what I'm doing is not to the magnitude of what that person's doing. There's a lot of comparison and comparison is what, what is, what's the saying? Comparison's the thief of joy. So I think there is a lot of that with the amount of social media Gen Z is consuming is like we are seeing crazy like mental health issues, you know, and like there are innovative solutions that are coming out for each and you know, I think it's heavily affecting Gen Z to a point that it's, you know, it's pretty concerning. And I think we've never had more outlets to express how unhappy we are as a generation too. So it seems a lot louder as well. And while older generations may complain that, you know, we're soft and blah, 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 like maybe we are soft. I don't know. Um, I don't like to think of myself as soft all the time, but I think with the amount of comparison going on, and how much you're consuming and especially on the dark sides of social media like you can see some messed up stuff on like twitter instagram that should be filtered out and it's not like my i've i've seen some horrific videos from my roommate who has like really dark humor and i'm like dude if i was seeing that every day like i don't even know how that would affect my mental state over time you know so i think we're seeing stuff we're not always meant to see that would further that would condition us later to behave a certain way like our intake of so much stimulus is so high that you know the anxiety comes with that and it's like well what am i doing right now <laughs> and, and and this is nothing new and to be honest around me friends family people that i know and work with have voiced that those exact um concerns as well you know and there seems to be a very high amount of peer pressure on one side, which which is sort of like on top of this lack of patience, that it's absolutely normal when you're young because you don't have any patience. I I didn't have patience when I were, when I was younger um, either, so that's absolutely normal. But if you put the peer pressure on top and the constant comparison that you now see on social media and you see all these success um, stories, you know which maybe are like the 1% of the population because, but since they're so visible, they're constantly in your face and you're like, oh, why is that guy better than me? And why can I not do that, right? So that must do something to you and to your, to your mental state over time. What's the solution in your opinion? Where is this going? And so going back a little bit to the question of like, lemonade another thing on top and be real which i guess it's gone by now and everything that is out there where, where do you see this going as a consumer as a person as someone that works in the space of marketing with gen z consumers where, where do you feel this is all going to oh that is a great question you know i think it's we're gonna get I mean, I can give you a channel answer and a generation answer. The channel answer is going to be, we're going to start heading towards long form because we've had so much of short form that we can't, do, we can't 
do it anymore. We can't do it anymore. Thank we... God. <laughs> by the time my by the time my kids are are your age, hopefully it's long form all the time. <laughs> I'm scared for them. <laughs> yeah, um, I I think that's where a lot of creators are going. Uh, you know, they'll treat short form as their funnel still, but um, I think consumption is going to head towards long form. Um, I think you know, generate rationally where, where's all this going is we're going to get into more and more of that media category, less social media. It's just going to stray further and further away from Instagram, Facebook, those like go to social medias to more and more tight knit, more and more media. And I think media, like that media category of TikTok, YouTube shorts, Instagram reels is just going to get crazier and crazier from a creation standpoint from our generation and who's participating. You know, you have every single day, there's a new AI platform. Now that AI is even <laughs> is learning more and more and more and enabling you to create more with less work. So I think we're going to head into like a weird artistic renaissance with the ability of AI it's not going to be as great of a renaissance as the actual one because guess what? It's AI. Uh, but I think it's going to enable these creators to turn it into something that we've never even seen before. So, but if you were to ask me two years ago, you know, when crypto was a huge thing, I would have been like, it would be decentralized social media. That didn't happen. And that's when the crypto craze was going on. So, you know, I may eat my words and AI might die tomorrow um, and we may be stuck with what we have, but... I think creation is just going to get crazier and crazier. Like we went from, you know, these smaller like uh, camcorders, VHS recorders to, you know, smaller phones to iPhones to crazy iPhones that match like Sony camera quality. Um, but it's not just about what you can put in front of it anymore. It's about what you can come up with your mind with the ability of AI. So. Cool. That's that's an interesting perspective. I'm also curious to see where this is all going. I have a secret hope that it kind of like goes all analog again, or at least that there's some tribes that are all going analog. Maybe it's just uh, wishful thinking. <laughs> I kind of like social media as it is right now. I don't know. Like I, I feel like I don't want it to to change, but maybe that's just me because I'm a millennial. Here's a, here's a maybe like a funky, weird, tough question for you. You are. Uh, you know, you're a Gen Z consumer, but also you work um, in a marketing agency being a Gen, a Gen Z and you work with many big companies uh, that maybe have teams and people in charge that you need to work with that are maybe millennials or older. And I'm really curious about that interaction. Yeah. The briefs, the briefs that you might get and the conversations that you might have that sort of like raise eyebrows in yeah. your <laughs> inner circle at the agency. I'm just really curious about that. Like, what is the perception from your Yeah, side? so it's interesting. We brought on our first non-Gen Z to our team earlier this series, our COO, uh, his name's Derek, and we definitely butt heads at times. So it's interesting, but we, you know, we keep it at a good environment. And I think it's, it's healthy because we challenge each other. But I would say there is whether it's on the client end or internal, it's just a lot of perspective of consumer sharing. Like we will get into the heads of whatever demographic and be like, well, you know, 
referring back to the sweaty socializer, would the sweaty socializer find this interesting from this age group? Probably not. And then you tack on, well, he's a Gen Z, so he's got an even shorter attention span. So how is he going to interact with that? You know, pr- good or bad, I don't, I don't know what the prompt would have been, but it's a lot of just consumer persona kind of like taking on and becoming these personalities and explaining it to either the client or someone internally that we're working with as to why that would or would not work. A lot of that is really just, I would say what I see most is walking brands down from like branding to like they're, they love their brand. Like it's polished for a reason. They have their brand tenets. They have their brand personality. We have to admire that and we work that into the content we put out for them or the campaigns we carry out for them. But sometimes it's something small and they're like, hey, this really, you know, contradicts our brand tenet of, you know, whatever it may be. Let's let's say it's like, I don't know, what's a, what's a good brand tenet? Let's think of sustainability. And someone like throw has like a, you know, like a one plastic water bottle in the background in the trash. It's like no one's going to be looking at that. Maybe a few people will notice, but I don't think it takes away from the message of that video. And then another thing you'll see is millennials and other generations running brands will be too consumed with their brand aesthetic on social media. So again, if you're looking at the funnel, the way I described it, you're going to want to bring in all the attention from the awareness funnel and then take them to say Instagram, right? But on Instagram, they're more worried about how their, you know, Instagram feels and looks like they're like, does this match our logo colors? Does this look like how it's supposed to in my head. How do the tiles look, you know, and that, that matters to people. And I've had to step back in client situations and be like, look guys, like I don't, I, this is not my specialty. Like my specialty is to grow on here, get attention and get you loyalty. Like I am not an, an aesthetic God. Like I can't tell you that all the tiles we'll put on your profile is going to be what you set out to see. Like there are agencies that are good at that, but that is not why you came to us. You came to us to connect with Gen Z, not to look pretty on social. So I'd say it's walking them back from how important is branding versus connecting with Gen Z in the right way. Interesting. So aesthetics is not, it does not play a role, which means, so if you were to describe each segment of the social media platforms that we discussed, you know, if it goes from TikTok to Instagram and let's say Discord, how would you describe the type of content that would work on each on each segment? Yeah, I mean, it's so my agency is heavily reliant on on short form, so I can explain to you, you know, what that content funnel looks like. But I'll just start with the media part. So we're gonna have generally three types of content streams going for each type of client. One just is to solely get views, solely get uh, people engaged with the content, get some kind of agreeability and getting your face and name out there, which there's a few different content streams you can do. So you can do street activations, crazier challenges, doing stuff where you're talking directly to your consumer, uh, finding a way to intertwine your product with actually getting people's like raw reactions with that, like a lot of what we do is in that street category to get eyeballs initially, or just spending the time to make a really well built out video and doubling down on that if that works. 
Um, and then you have your second category, which is just building credibility for the brand. So if I'm the consumer, I've seen you a few times on TikTok, how do I know you're credible as brand? You have to start educating me. You have to entertain and educate me. So talk to me about the industry that you're in, but don't sell me on it yet. Just educate me about what's going on. Do it in an engaging manner that belongs on that platform so I can trust you. I'll probably see you more and more if I'm engaging with that content or following you. Then at the bottom of the funnel, you're going to want to be talking about what your brand's doing from a day to day or where you guys are headed. So now it's like we have entertaining content meant to get views at the top. We have credibility. Now I'm trusting you. Now I want to know what you're up to and what you're doing. Um, and that's just on the media aspect, right? I build all my strategies around that. Now to get to Instagram, you still want, this is where you want to be more brand heavy. So, you know, while I'm not an, a big aesthetic tile person, I still think you need a more poised voice on there. You can be authentic and have some poise. I just don't think it's dependent on, you know, how, how do the colors feel when I get to the page? It's more about how how much informative content can I deliver on there about my industry and my brand so my consumer feels closer to me. That's my ultimate goal with that medium channel of Instagram. Um, and then with the communities, I would just be doing cool activations there with getting those consumers who love me enough to be involved in my community, knowing what we're doing every day, to have them stay active in the Discord slack say hey since you're a part of this community we want to offer this event to you or you can meet these people from our team i know that was big in web3 is like you get time with the founder now i wasn't a big web3 by three guy but i definitely saw that from the outside is having these value offerings for each as you get closer to the bottom of the funnel because you want to reward your community members for being there and make them feel like they're a part again so that brand can feel like an extension of them so that's kind of a quick rundown of that but and what would you say is the most underpriced place to find Gen Z right now? Is it Lemonade or is it, I don't know, Be Real? Is it Be, is Be Real dead already? Be Real's dead. Be okay, Real's great. Dead. Oof, thank God. Yeah. I really didn't dig it. I tried it, but it didn't work out. It was too, <laughs> it was too real for me. <laughs> because I'm a millennial, I like things to look polished. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I would say uh, Be Real died in my head like four months ago. I, I know people still use it. I don't think there's much utilization from a brand standpoint, you know, but uh, Lemonade is still in its infancy stage, in my opinion. Like, we're about to start testing brands on there right now, and I'm just consuming, consuming, consuming right now. So they're trying to find the perfect mix between pinterest instagram carousel posts and short form videos so they've basically taken all of what's trending from a gen z consumer standpoint and just compiled it into one channel like wow, that's a lot i know right so and i think like they even they even have this account that's like captain lemonade who like provides tips and he's like your guy on the inside and he's saying you don't want to directly promote stuff on here like you want to talk about a lifestyle like they're already trying to help train you to be a better creator and shape the whole platform to not be like a brand promo i love that obviously brands are going to find our way around that i think we're still a little early i would say to get the lowest price gen z to get gen z at the lowest price my bad not low price gen z that sounds weird uh would be uh tiktok still i would say 
That's where we're finding the most. And specifically through influencer marketing boosted by Spark Ads, which is their backend platform to boost short form video while looking like a normal video, right? Um, with a little bit more targeting. So that's where I'd see like the lowest price acquisition outside of just an organic video doing really, really, really well. That's where I'd see that. Also, I love YouTube shorts on a side note. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of growth there. Nothing near what TikTok was early on, but I see nothing but a open green field, especially with some of the success I've had with some of my clients on there recently. Yeah. Absolutely. And I know you hate Facebook, but apparently Facebook reels are also trending. So I guess that's another. Yeah, yeah I heard that. <laughs> but you and me too. I mean, honestly, Facebook, I just want to close the account already. I cannot because I need to be on Instagram. So it doesn't work out, but it's really annoying. So I completely understand you. Yeah. Whenever I post a reel too, I give it permission to go on Facebook uh, reels too, because it gets more reach. So. Okay. So, um, Finishing up, um, just to sum up what you've been talking about, which I find super interesting, is in order to be in touch with Gen Z, you need to be everywhere, literally on every single platform, but you need to make the content native to that platform, right? Yeah, you need to... To start with. Yeah, you need to create like a creator. Don't create like a brand. Create like someone who is trying to just get a following on the niche that you're in. So a lot of the conversations I have when I'm onboarding content creators say, so like we have like a dog company partner right now um, and they're, they're awesome. I love them. And the content's very cutesy. I'm, I'm not a dog owner, so it's tough for me sometimes. But when I onboarded our content creator, I was like, she's like, Hey, like, how do I keep talking about the product? Like, I feel like there's only so many different ways. Like I'm, I'm like, don't talk about the product. Like, <laughs> <laughs> as someone who's like a dog vlogger like with dog health tips and dog training tips and dog psychology and cute things your dog's doing and make a personality out of your dog and you know show us what it's really like don't be like here's how my dog interacted with the dog product today you know this it was cool you know like no one cares <laughs> i know make- but why is it so hard for brands for anyone that sells a product it's the hardest thing to engage with consumers without actually selling the product. Yeah, and I'm so glad you said that. It's because they're pouring money, especially from an agency standpoint, they're pouring money into you to make a bunch of content for them to ultimately grow their page full of consumers. So if their direct result of them just giving money to you is a video that has nothing to do with their product. They're like, great, why am I paying you? Like, you're just gonna be a creator now? Like, this feels counterintuitive until we explain it, you know, them the whole process, which we do before, but sometimes it will still happen. And I think there's there's a solid mix in there. It's like, I'm not saying never talk about your product or never sell your product, because I think a lot of that is at bottom of funnel within the media channel. And a lot of that is on Instagram and a lot of that could be within community. Like definitely still talk about it and definitely still have other initiatives to push sales like paid media, influencer, whatever. Um, But I think in order to grow on social, it's like, don't shove your product down my throat. Like it's, I've seen it a million times. We've all seen it. It sucks. Like, unless it's just a, a really interesting video where it's like a cool solve for a problem that's very well painted out. Um, which we do for our clients as as a pinned video is like we will have founder brand story 
and then we will have product use case in a way that it it's almost built like a pitch deck. It's like problem statement, uh, solution, the process in between, our thinking behind it. But you have to TikTokify that. So make that engaging. Make that not only about you know the direct solution and how it's so awesome. You have to paint the picture and make it feel like an experience. And then outside of that, we have you know just a well performing video as those top three pinned videos on on most TikToks. Uh, of brands that we work with so there's definitely still room for it you just have to set the stage correctly and definitely not sell every single time because that would not work out (laughs) Um, (laughs) one other question so i don't forget about that talk to me about outdoor a little bit i know it's not your specialty and i know it's all about social these days but i'm curious is outdoor still something that is interesting for gen zers even if just to create the virality on you know on social afterwards as in oh there's been this like really cool billboard somewhere in times square and then it just like goes viral on social is that why we're doing outdoor these days i mean i think you know if executed correctly outdoor like let's break this down what you're saying is or what you're possibly asking me is does outdoor billboard activations Are you saying just billboard, by the way, or any other channels? Well, I'm pretty sure that nobody would just do a billboard that is random somewhere, right? So I would assume that it comes, I mean, thinking about traditional marketing, the marketing mix, right? You would have outdoor, you know, above the line, below the line. And then, you know, like you have this outdoor thing that is like the product that you are spending all your marketing budget on. And then there's a bunch of social activations. I'm just wondering, because it's also a very expensive thing to do, right? So you're probably going to do like one bill, digital billboard in Times Square and maybe one in London. And that's it. So it's like two. Uh, will they see that? And why do you do that for? Right. I'm just I'm just thinking about the why. What's the why behind when it comes to the Gen Z consumer specifically? Yeah. Do they see it? Do they buy into it? Do they think it's impressive and wow, cool? Does it give credibility to the brand? Yeah. Or- I think I think I mean it, it could build credibility to a point again if executed correctly. I think with a digital billboard activation, you're gonna have to create the campaign for that with social in mind because you know you'll have your reach from your billboard here say or say it's going this way and like this is your reach if it if it hits social correctly your reach will go from this to this right because now you have all that normal traffic and if you're giving you know joe schmo from new york just an average consumer who you know maybe posts here and there whatever and amplify those guys who are seeing that they may put that on their story. They may just upload it randomly on a TikTok and it may go off. Or they may put it on YouTube Shorts, whatever. You want to create outdoor activations with social in mind. Like how is this going to get legs on social as well? Because that's another channel we'll tap into outside of just directly who's going to see that. And you know, if there's a, an action you want them to, to take from the billboard or outdoor activation, whatever it may be, I think that's a little tougher unless you're doing something with your events or outdoor team along with that. Like you need to have people there stirring the pot with people who are seeing this stuff. Like if I was to do a New York Times billboard activation, I would have something, say I'm like a, I don't know, a 
my mind goes to like breath work or a guided meditation platform for some reason, I would have what they're doing well on social on the board, which is these breathing exercises um, where it's like this super engaging wave of counting in for three seconds, exhaling for three seconds, following the wave or whatever, because now you're getting people's attention. You get them to want to participate. And then you have your outdoor team of, say, your social team dressed like monks going around like telling and showing these people what they should be doing or doing it with them or thanking them or giving them something. Like if I look at outdoor, it's kind of as a meal, outdoors like the plate and what you do to get more and more attention on that is the actual food. So getting more social activation, getting people's attention and engagement there past just the billboard was some is something that would shock me as a marketer is like layering more and more on top of what they're just seeing. I agree. And and from what I'm seeing online as well, it's mainly you're doing outdoor to expand on that on social and to go viral on social. I guess that that's really why you're doing it. Because it's a lot of money and if not, you know, investment wouldn't make sense. Last question. Ten years from now, Alex, 10, 15 years from now, you're the older Jen. And there's Gen Alpha coming along. <laughs> Paint the picture to me. How's that looking for Gen Z and Gen Alpha at that point? What What do you think? I mean, I don't know how much you're into Gen Alpha, but I'm sure you know a little bit about them, and you can you can kind of like foresee how your generation is is sort of evolving. How do you see that tension coming along? I think. I think what we'll see is some kind of detachment for what is hot for Gen Z right now. And what I mean by that is like Gen Z's will still post on Instagram. And if they're just a regular UGC creator, they're uploading some videos on TikTok and all that. With Gen Alpha, when I when I meet them and I get their Instagram or whatever, like they're kind of ghost on social media unless they have an absolute reason to appear on there so i think a lot of what we'll see is a lot less direct in process creation like they are gonna be either remaining silent because they've seen gen z be so loud um, until they feel like they can be loud or we'll just see a complete drop off from social it's like i don't even know where Gen Alpha is at right now on platforms, like a lot of them were on on short form and they still are, uh, but you're not seeing them create much. Um, not that I'm following a lot of people from that generation because, you know, they're like, what, 15, 16 right now. But what I'm seeing is a lack of consistent creation and a hesitancy to use these platforms the way we do. So I think they'll detach from classic channels that we see right now with Gen Z and double down on new skills that are on its way. I think AI is going to be a cancer and a propellant for them. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, they are able to learn and do so much with it that is making people lazier and even cheat in school, as we saw when it was first coming out uh, with like the original chat GPT-3. Uh, but it's also enabling them to do so much more. Like I've had younger friends come up to me who are like borderline Gen Z alpha, who are like little brothers of friends of mine who have designed whole business models with AI now and now they're going to try to go execute it at this age and 
they're feeling empowered, but they're not going to be, you know, wasting their time on social media as much. I think what is going to be hard for them is AI um, and how that will impact them. We'll have to see. And the tension between us two is going to be reliant on the speed at which we can execute things because I think at some point Gen Z is going to stop adopting new technology and Gen Alpha will take to it and they'll do it better than us. So I think it's going to be that speed um, and effectiveness where we'll see the tension on you know, what their different end goals are. Um, but I haven't seen enough of it yet, but that would be my assumption. <laughs> well, good luck with that. <laughs> Sounds interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it is interesting and it's really interesting to observe how, how things are evolving over time because it's, it's changing even from day to day. It's really hard to predict. So I, I totally get your point. Alex, it's been really a pleasure. I learned so much about Gen Z. Um, I thought, <laughs> you know, your, your insights are so, so, tactical and so usable so thank you very much for that and i'm looking forward to the next chat yeah me too thank you so much thank you for tuning into unmatched remember building an unmatched brand is not just about success it's not about popularity it's about creating something truly remarkable that reflects who you are and what you stand for so keep pushing yourself to go beyond what you think is possible. Keep taking risks, challenging yourself, and never settle for standard. And if you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and follow us on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes. Until next time, keep being unmatched.